Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Rain at LSU is over. He and LSU have agreed to part ways at the end of the 2021 football season. LSU is only two years removed from winning the 2019 National Championship. Is LSU making the right decision, especially after a win against number 20 ranked Florida in Death Valley? When this happens, who should be taking over at LSU when Coach Ed Ogeron is gone? Because of everything going on, is that coach going to be cursed? Are they making the right decision moving on from Ed? Tennessee and Ole Miss had a classic game. Lane Kiffin returns to Tennessee after being the head coach there for just one season many moons ago. He returns as a head coach at Ole Miss. But it was overshadowed with injuries or lack thereof, according to Tennessee fans. A non-reviewed play and how their fans treated Lane Kiffin and his players at the end of the game. We are going to discuss all of that today on the Coach Steve Show podcast. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Coach Steve Show podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to the Coach Steve Show YouTube channel and also hit the like button. Also, you can listen to your podcast wherever you or get this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, Pandora, wherever, literally wherever. So please follow the audio version on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else. You'll get the notification as soon as a new episode drops. This podcast is also brought to you by the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. If you go to bellyupsports.com, they've got many, 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 many podcasts on things outside of sports, in sports, fantasy sports, different blogs, different affiliates, and also go subscribe to their YouTube channel. 
And also betting season is underway with college football in full swing, NFL in full swing, baseball playoffs are wrapping up. We're getting closer to the MLB championship. NBA is right around the corner. Hockey just started. You have all the sports to bet on. Bill Epps Sports Podcast Network and this network have worked with BetUS. If you use the link in the description below, BetUS-BellyUpSports, you use that link, you go make a minimum deposit of $100, and you use the code JOIN125, you're going to get 125% signing bonus because this website also has casino. You can play blackjack, poker, anything that you could do with a casino. It is on BetUS. So out of that 125% signing bonus, 100% of the bonus is going to go to sports betting. The other 25% is going to go to the casino betting. So who doesn't like free money? Take the free money. Go use the code JOIN125, minimum deposit of $100 at BetUS-BellyUpSports. Do all that. Use all the bets that we give you, especially on this show, and go win some money. Nobody, everybody loves free money. Uh, you can do same-game parlays in the sports betting. Go play blackjack and all that. Go do all that for me. It lets them know that I sent you. It helps this podcast, the Better Sports Podcast Network. It just, it just helps everybody. So please go do that for me. It'd be greatly appreciated. So let's dive into this huge episode. Lots to talk about in this episode. Florida Gators come into Death Valley ranked number 20th in the nation to try to avenge their loss versus LSU last year when we call LSU. Shoe gets thrown, penalties happen, fog kicks in, LSU upsets Florida in the swamp. And at that point, maybe Dan Mullen's seat should have been a little hot when it came to his coaching job. Probably, as you can tell, it did not. But Florida uh, travels to Death Valley to play the LSU Tigers, who are struggling, to say the least, uh, struggling to stay healthy, struggling on offense, struggling on defense, all around. But mainly a big thing, struggling on off, uh, staying healthy. And coming into this game, the rumors swirling about Coach Ed Ogeron's job, which we all know now, but at the time, the swirling, is he going to be here? Is he about to get fired? They just came off a bad loss to Kentucky. Is he going to have his job? So all this stuff going on, you would think that LSU does not stand a chance against Florida. But Florida, this is why we play the game. This is why we don't look at, take everything we have on paper and use all that. Everybody should know. Not everything on paper tells the truth. If you take the Alabama-Texas A&M game and you looked at the paper without the score, you say uh, Alabama wins that game. You look at paper going into that game. You say Alabama wins. There's no chance that Texas A&M has a chance. You look on paper last year, Mississippi State with – New uh, head coach in Mike Leach comes into Death Valley to play LSU. You would think that LSU would win the game. And they didn't. So now everything's on paper. So Florida comes into the swamp. And Florida's offense struggled in the first half with three turnovers. One of the interceptions that was thrown in the first first half was returned for a touchdown. So Florida was just really struggling on offense all in the first half. If you look at the first half numbers, Florida only scored six points in the first. Then when you get into the second quarter, LSU's offense started to pick up. Florida only scored seven in the second. Then they erupted in the third, scoring 22, but only four in the fourth. LSU scores 21 in the second, 14 in the third, and 14 in the fourth quarter. So Florida struggled on offense. Now, one reason why I think they struggle on offense, I mean, it's worked a little bit, but I'm not a big fan of what they do with their quarterbacks. They will rotate two different quarterbacks. 
they rotate Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones. Now, if you look at their numbers, Anthony Richardson was 10 for 19, 167 yards, three touchdowns. Emory Jones was 12 for 19, 161 yards, one touchdown. They both threw two interceptions. So right there is four interceptions right there to give to LSU. That is way too much to give a team. I don't care if they're struggling, not struggling, anything else. That is way too much. But one thing I don't like is when you rotate two quarterbacks, all those. I don't know. I don't have the stats in front of me for how many snaps each person took. They even had a different quarterback. Uh, Trent went more throw a, throw a pass. So altogether, they were 23 of 40 for 350 pass yards, which sounds good if that was one quarterback. Well, you have to split that to two. Now, they each have different intangibles. They can throw. Emory Jones can run. So they just call different things. Coaching football takes rhythm. Okay? You got to get into a rhythm. You got to get into a groove. You've got to get some confidence. If you're rotating, If you're rotating a player in and out all the time, or every other series. I just I feel like it's hard for a quarterback. Because to me, playing quarterback is like being playing in basketball when you start to get a groove. You're making passes, you start hitting shots. For quarterbacks, it's when you start making throws, you start making the right reads. You're getting into a groove. You're getting a feel for the game. You're getting a feel for the offense. If you rotate a guy every series, every quarter, every other play, or every couple plays, to me it's hard for them to get a read. On what's going on now, the uh, other side of that is you're putting pressure on the other team's defense. And what I mean by that is on film, you got to go, oh, man, okay, when this quarterback is in, here's what they're really good at. They're really good at these passing concepts. They're really good at zone reads or power reads. They're good at this or that. But when they bring this quarterback in, well, man, he's just a straight passer. So now we got to look at just the run game to hand it off. we got to look at deeper throws because he can do this, he can do that. So there's good things about it. But for me, I feel like it's not a good thing to get into a groove. Now, it's worked for them because they have won, but now they have struggled. It's a part of their struggles because of the quarterback play. And, well, I don't know about the whole season, but in this game, I think that's why. Each of them throw two interceptions. Now, I know Anthony Richards throws three touchdowns. That's great, but you give them the ball to LSU four times. One of those interceptions returns for a touchdown. So right now you are giving a team that is struggling with a lot of injuries. You're giving a team that's struggling with their head coaching situation. You're giving a team that's just struggling to move the ball and stop people consistently. You're giving them hope. Instead of just having a quarterback staying there. Now if a quarterback comes in and he's just not playing well, put somebody else in. Like that's the name of the game. Don't say, well, he's doing okay, so I'll put this other guy in, but now he's struggling, I'm going to put the other guy back in. No, you got to have a quarterback. And if he's not doing what you want, don't play him. Just don't play him. I mean, Emory Jones' QBR was 28.8. Like I said, really, 10 for 1,967 yards is not bad until you see the two touchdowns. That's a Kentucky player number. Aaron Rodgers today during only threw for a little bit more than that. So it's not bad numbers. It's just hard to have consistency when you're going to rotate two guys in. Now, Dan Mullen, when he coached at Florida with Tim Tebow, once in a while, they put Tim Tebow, especially in the goal line. Now, goal line stuff, okay, kind of. I think it depends. If your quarterback's in, you know, nickel and diamond all the way down the field, you get to the red zone, I think you have to stay with him because he's on a groove. 
Now, if you're just running the ball, he's made a couple completions, but you're mainly running the ball, you're doing different things, you get down the red zone, well, it doesn't hurt anything to put another guy in that can run the ball, but also throw it. It puts their defense on their, on their heels. If you don't do it all the time, they can't really prepare. They'll prepare for it a little bit, but you're making them waste time in practice to prepare for it. But I think to play two quarterbacks like that, rotate him in for a little bit, rotate him in for a little bit, I just feel like your offense will never get in a groove. Receivers got to adapt to what's going on with the quarterback. Linemen may have to adapt a little bit because the blocking schemes are going to change or the, the run plays actually are going to change. Your play calling is going to change. So Dan Mullen's putting pressure on him and his staff. I think you just need to pick a quarterback and stick with it. So with Florida, when you're playing two quarterbacks like that, especially when they're throwing interceptions, it's just not going to go well. So I think that's not the best thing. They have to pick a quarterback and stick with it. Especially when a kid throws two interceptions. Now, if you bring in another kid and he throws two interceptions, but you got to stick with him. You got to figure it out. Got to figure it out. And Dan Mullen is a good coach. He should know this. I've just never been a big fan of playing two quarterbacks. Then, L- then you're giving life to LSU. So when you throw these interceptions, you're giving LSU's offense a better a chance. Now, LSU offense came out and played. They played. You saw a lot more unbalanced formations. They would bring another tackle. So there was times you would see a left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle, and then another offensive lineman. And then sometimes that tied in on top of that. They would roll out from it. They'd keep him into pass protect. They had an extra gap to run. Then you put a tight end in, and that's even extra gap to run in. But the tight end can go out for a pass, put more pressure. It, and then they had they did a bunch of they did a bunch of rollout passes. Max, Max Johnson, the quarterback for LSU, did what he needed to. Watching LSU against Florida, and we'll get to a different podcast about Iowa. We're not going to talk about that game right now. That's what they kind of looked like to me. They kind of looked like an Iowa team. LSU came in and said, we are going to run the ball. But I also thought, they probably thought, oh, our defense is playing well to get these interceptions. We didn't really, I mean, they probably planned it, but like, oh, this is happening. I mean, they called 40, They there was 45 carries for runs. And then Max Johnson was 14 of 24, 133 yards and three touchdowns. So he was very precise in his throws. So this, to me, looked like an Iowa team. An Iowa team that wants to run the ball but have a quarterback and just make throws when they need to. But they called a ton of rollouts. They would add that extra lineman. They, would, they could roll out, have another guy there to block. You're having one less guy out on the routes, but they have to honor it. You do a play action, roll out, quick three-yard pass, get him some confidence. But LSU came in and said, we're going to run the ball, try to do what we do. LSU's offensive line actually played well. Now, Florida couldn't stop runs in their shorts during this. Like, their run defense was non-existent. So, a part, so LSU had it came across like a Florida team that was number 20 in the nation. Sent at 4-2. and two. They lost a couple games, but they couldn't stop the run to save their lives. I think if they praised to Jesus and said, please show us the way to stop the run, none of it would have – their prayers were not answered. They could not stop the run to save their life. So, when you can't stop the run – it just sets up LSU a play-action game. Even an LSU team that is struggling and people have written them off ever since they lost to UCLA. People wrote them off coming into the season because of last last season when they had a lot of guys go to the NFL, graduate, uh, injuries, and sit out because of COVID. They wrote them off. So LSU said, okay, we are going to play action. We're going to roll out. We're going to run the ball. We're going to go on balance. We're going to stay simple. Do what we want to do. 
and we're have our defense just fly around. They're at the point where they're going to say, screw it, and just play with all this stuff going on. Coach Ed Odron and his staff got the kids ready to play against Florida, which a lot of people did not give them a chance against Florida. I know I, I did not even want to bet on this game because this is a trap game. I didn't pick it. I didn't bet on it because I knew something like this could happen. You come in and say, because I've also bet on Florida early in the year and it just didn't work out. But you give a team like this life, and this is what's going to happen. You turn the ball over. This is what's going to happen. Florida's not, Florida's a little overrated a little bit. Dan Mullen's good, but they got to get the recruits. People really were on Florida when they were almost beat Alabama. But again, every team that plays Alabama is going to get their absolute best shot. So the absolute best shot and team that we saw from Florida this year was that game. That game. And I think that was a letdown. Because now I think Florida knew we have no room for error. Can't lose another one. Well, then you lose in Kentucky. Well, now it's over. You may not make the SEC championship game. Yeah, but it's LSU. They're struggling. They, Ed may not have a job. They have so many injuries. Their players just aren't there yet. They're young. They have a lot of sophomores. They have a decent recruiting class coming in. We got this. Nope. So Coach Ed, props to him, got the team ready to play. The run game was there. The big news for their offense was try on David Price. 36 carries, 287 yards, and three touchdowns. He broke the single-game LSU rushing record from Fournette a couple years ago. I believe Les Miles was still the head coach. So congratulations to him on breaking the LSU single-game rushing record. They could not stop him. They could not stop him. Because I think LSU, LSU was trying to force the issue and try to have the same offense from 2019, which is great when you have Joe Burrow. But I also think they said we want to run this offense and they try to force the issue at the beginning of the year. Now with all the injuries, I think they've really looked at their team and said, okay, we can take some things from that offense and use. But we have to dial it back. We have to simplify it. What can we do? Well, if the offensive line is healthy or they they start playing, we can run the football. So why don't we just run the football? Do old school stuff. We're going to do it from our spread. So that way we continue to practice. We try to get healthy as the season goes on. Try to do the things that we were doing in 2019 when Joe Burrow was the offense coordinator or at the quarterback, and we had Joe Brady as the offense coordinator. Do that type of stuff. So LSU pulls off the upset once again over Florida. They win 49 to 42. Florida, you gotta give their cap off to them. That's when Anthony Richards and Emory Jones start to get their game going, and they score 22 in the third. But LSU was running the ball, taking time off the clock try to keep them off. I mean, LSU had the ball for 29 minutes, 56 seconds. But the big thing was the turnovers. If Florida doesn't turn the ball over, they probably win. But you got to give hats off to LSU's defense. They did their job. So they, they, they get the win. We're coming in after the game. They go, everybody go. Have you noticed? I think I've noticed in the past two weeks, every time they have Ed on, he's smiling as he talks. He's just like always smiling and he's taking the questions. He's not like, ah, I haven't talked to anybody about my job. I'm not, it's like, okay. But after the game, it was brought up and said, rumors with your job, are you going to be here or not? 
how'd you get these guys ready to play? And he said he was so proud of the staff and the kids were ready to go. He said they're going to fight. They are they are going to fight till the end. I believe I, 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 I might have been a quote today saying he's never going to blink. Like you can't blink. He said he won't blink ever. He's going to continue to fight. So that was announced uh, today at the time of this recording on Sunday, October 17th. It was uh, early afternoon, I believe. Came out, said that Coach Ed O'Dron and LSU have decided to, they've agreed to part ways at the end of the 2021 football season. I can't, I can't remember if the search was going to come now or as soon as they were done, the search is going to come for his replacement. But a part of him leaving, they still have to buy him out because he got a big contract after he won the championship. So they have to buy him out. The report is they're going to pay him over $17 million to leave LSU. To leave. Now, I'm in the wrong business. I coach high school ball. I'm in the wrong business. Maybe I need to try to do college. Because these college coaches have some great agents. LSU, you're going to pay him $17 million. Now, of course, this is not up front. This probably be payments. But you're going to pay him. And it's, it's not LSU. Okay. I understand it's alumni. I understand it's fundraising. They've got friends in high places that are going to make this happen. But you're going to pay $17 million to him to leave LSU? It's the same thing with Auburn. They were paying, they're going to pay Gus millions and millions and millions, over tens of millions of dollars to leave. And then they go get another job. Like, you're you're willing to say that this, what's going on right now is so bad, so bad. A year and a half, a uh, little over a year and a half, I think in January, it'll be two years, that you went 15-0 and and won a national title. Taking over a program that was struggling with Les Miles at the round, at the helm. In a place, and in the best, I'll just say probably the best conference in football it is, and you're battling for those type of recruits, and you have some couple things, not to make excuses, but there are reasons of things going on that other teams, some did not have. You're going to pay him $17 million to leave? Maybe that's why they can't fire him now because they have to pay him more. But by God, for me, if I'm going to pay someone $17 million, I want them to be here doing the job they were hired for. But you're going to pay him $17 million to leave? Is, is, is he that bad? I mean, his overall record at LSU at this point is 49-17. and 17. He's gone 13-5 and five in games against top 10 teams in the country. Now, after the championship season right now, I believe they're 9-8 and eight right now, but they're battling a ton of injuries. So this has been swirling for a while. It was talked about a little bit last year at the end, but they struggled a lot. They had some injuries. Again, like I said, opt-outs and all that. And this year they have a ton of injuries as well. Tons of injuries. Andre Anthony, defensive end, knee out for the season. Kaishan Botag, I'm going to say his name, my wide receiver, it's undisclosed, out for the season. Miles Brennan, quarterback arm, out indefinitely. Major Burns, defensive back, undisclosed. He was out for Saturday's game. John Henry Jr., running back. Academics, out for the season. 
Joseph Evans, defensive tackle, undisclosed out for the season. Ali Gay, defensive end, undisclosed out for the season. Glenn Logan, defensive tackle, foot. He was available. Eli Ricks, defensive back, undisclosed, out for the season. Jared Small, Deion Smith, both undisclosed, out for the season. And doubtful, Derek Stingley Jr., defensive back, foot, out indefinitely. Those were just added before the Florida game. We can go on and on about the injuries they've had this year. We can go on and on about how young they are. I believe they have a ton of sophomores. Yes, you lost to UCLA. You lost to Kentucky. But Kentucky is playing pretty well. And when you don't have an offensive line or defensive backs, defensive tackles that are healthy to help you, this is what's going to happen. Yes. And he's had a huge staff turnover, and I've said this before. I only know of one coach that can deal with a staff turnover and not miss a beat, and that is Coach Nick Saban, but that is why he is the best ever to do it. Ever. So people said it going into last year and part of this year, oh, Coach Ed Odron, his coaching legacy is going to be based on if he can hire a new staff and do the same thing. No, you should not base it off that. I have his book, and you guys should, people that have not read it. And this is free advertisement for him. It's called Flip the Script. Flip the Script. Ed Odron. And I read it. Lessons learned on the road to the championship. This is about leading up to the championship right after. Now, people are going to say it's because of the players and Joe Burrow. Well, duh. A lot of times when you win a championship, it's the players. Now, the coaches have some things to do with it, obviously. They're putting them in situations to be successful. They're game planning. They've recruited them there. If you read the book or even just Google it, Coach Ed Odron had to recruit Joe Burrow away from a college, Ohio State, in his home state where his dad was coaching at Ohio University. Like, you have to be able to recruit some of these guys now. They've had good recruiting classes, but this transfer portal has affected a lot of schools, but it's helped a lot of schools, but it's affected a lot of schools other than LSU. So when you have a team that can't stay healthy, you're having these recruiting battles. Now there's things going on outside in Coach Ed's life, and we're not going to get into it. There's just things going on, and maybe that was a part of the decision. I think some people wanted to see him gone or say this is unacceptable. When you win a championship two years ago, then you go five and five. Now we're sitting at four and three. I get it. I get it. But sometimes, well, here's an example. Are they talking about firing uh, Debo Sweeney right now? I don't think so. Now he's won a couple titles. Now next year, if Clemson loses two games, and I don't hear them talking about firing him. I'm going to be furious. Now, a part of this is because I'm a big Ed Odron fan. I, that guy, I feel so bad for him. Yes, he's going to take responsibility and say he should have done better. Got more wins. I get it. I get it. LSU, I got to remind you. I th- Well, let's start here. Coach Ed Odron, I think, was born to coach at LSU. His mannerisms, like he... I kind of wish he was the head coach at uh, USC, but he wasn't made for California. He was made for LSU. Sorry if you can hear the keyboard. 
That guy was born to coach LSU, and I feel so bad. But people like wanted him gone, saying he's a horrible coach. I think he's a good motivator. I mean, they recruit some decent kids, but you're battling Alabama, and now you're battling Lane Kiffin, and now you got to battle Mike Leach, and now you got to battle Dan Moore, and now you got to battle everybody. But here's the thing with LSU. You have four titles. In 1958, 2003, 2007, and then in 2019. You are not this program that wins championships after championships. You're not this program that won a championship a couple years later. You win another one. A couple years later, you win another one. When you look, like for example, you look at Notre Dame fans or Michigan fans. They won titles way back in the day. But now that I know the expectation should probably always win to be a championship, win a championship, but they're not that team that wins a championship every year. So LSU, my question to you is, I understand going five and five is a struggle. Not to make excuses, COVID year, whatever, they're not going to make excuses. Right now you're four and three. But the man is 49-17. He's 13 and five versus the top 10. Maybe there's guys out there you can get. We'll get that in a second. I'm just a big Ed O'Dron fan, so some of this I'm like, you should just keep them. But the question to me is, you're frustrated because you won the championship. Did you just think the next year you're going to win it again? Nobody was beating that Alabama team the next year. Now you've got coaches coming in. So, I don't know. There's things that I probably don't know. But I just want to remind some of the LSU fans or this and that. And people say, well, these expectations, LSU and this and that. I understand that. I understand that. Big expectations. You spend money, you're in the SEC, you have these expectations. But you're not a team that wins a championship in like 2003. Now, if you did this every year, so if they won one in 2003, won one in 2007. Now, if you won one in like 2009 or 10, then 2013, then 2016, then 2019, and then all that stuff. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. But like, is it really, that, is it really like, is he really that bad? Are things really not good there? Do you just have these huge high expectations all the time that you can't like, you're not going to take a step back. Some of these fans for some of these teams, I think that they are, they have these, they have to win this championship or they think that's the type of program that they have. I, I'm not saying him leaving is not the best choice. I'm not saying that. It might it might be. But that record is not bad if you guys are all about papers and numbers. Yeah, nine and eight since the championship's not great. Doesn't look great. But there's always a reason. Like you have to look at why. Now, if there's stuff going on I don't see, is it the coaching? Is it this? Yeah, okay. But when you but when you look at the injuries and all that stuff, I've said it a million times. Come on. I don't know if this is the right decision. I really don't. And a part of me hopes that maybe they get cursed. Because, like, why is Dan Mullen not on the hot seat? You have high expectations when he gets there. Florida won a lot of championships. High expectations. He hasn't gone to a championship. He's gotten the SEC championship. Gets beat by Florida or uh, Alabama. Like, why is he not in the hot seat? Loses to LSU the last two years. 
struggling LSU. He lost to Kentucky. Why is Dan Mullen's name not, like, why is that? Is it because he has not won a championship as a head coach? If he wins a championship next year and then has this type of season the following year, is he going to get fired? And then you're paying Ed $17 million to leave? Man, I'm in the wrong business. I just don't get it. I hope somebody out there, I'm not saying to do this to argue with anybody. I don't want someone to come after me and say, I'm dumb and I'm stupid. No, like, this is my opinion. Now, if you can come have a conversation with me about this and we can talk about it, absolutely. But, like, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around. Like, when this happened, I'm watching the Bears game and I was having a hard time wrapping my mind up on the Bears game because I was trying to wrap my mind around the Coach Ed thing. And, like I said, I'm a big fan. I'm going to put this up again. I know people probably already know, but, like, read the book. Like, it's going to make you more of a fan, and you're going to hear his voice when you're reading it, but it, it's it, – I may reread it, but it's – some people don't think he's a good coach and all this stuff. I don't know. So the question now, I guess, becomes – I kind of hope they're cursed. Depends on who gets the job. But a part of me hopes the next guy that comes in kind of does the same thing. I'm going to say, see, he's doing the same thing, and you got rid of Ed, and you're paying $17 million. You might as well give him another year to see if he can't get healthy in these recruits. And then the next year, if it continues, then you go, okay. Yeah, okay. It's been three years after championship. We haven't sniffed it yet. We haven't sniffed the SEC championship game. Yeah, okay. Part of me hopes he goes undefeated the rest of the year. Wins by field goals. Except for Alabama. I got for Alabama, but I really hope so. And then I guess the next question is where is he going to go after that and all that. But I just kind of don't know why. Dan Mullen's name's not on the hot seat, but some names have been thrown around for him to take to take over. James Franklin of Penn State's name's been thrown around a lot. Jimbo Fisher's name was thrown around, but he's not leaving. Luke Fickle from Cincinnati's been another name thrown around. Billy Napier's name, Louisiana head coach, is always thrown around. Joe Brady, as I said before, he doesn't want to go back to college. So I think some of the names you have to look at, even Lane Kiffin's name, I think some to look at is Lane Kiffin's name, obviously. I think he's got a good thing going at Ole Miss. But, again, because Coach Odron won a championship in 2019, LSU's head job's a big one. I think Lane Kiffin could go there, and that'd be huge if Lane Kiffin went there. Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, this might be the time for him to leave and go say, I'm going to take over a big Power 5 program and show you that I can do this. I know another name thrown around was Cristobal from Oregon. SEC guy. So I think those would be the three that you're going to see his name thrown around a lot. And it's probably end up being one of those three. Um, I I thought about Joe Brady until someone brought to my attention that he has mentioned before to not come back to college. Um, so he's not going to be thrown around. Billy Napier's name is always thrown around for a Power 5 school. So he might be interested in that, but I know he's come out and said he wants to win there. He's very loyal there. But those are the names I think you're going to see um, I'd be kind of really curious. I don't think James Franklin will go. they got to figure out the USC job, too. His name's thrown around for that. But I think LSU's a hotter place to go because of Ed than U- USC. USC has fallen on hard times, but because of Ed, LSU's the place to go. So I think these coaches are going to worry about more about going to um, LSU than they are uh, USC. But, yeah, those are the names to watch out for, and I'm going to keep – you know, we're going to have to keep reading and watching to see what kind of other names pop up. Uh, but sad day, I think, for college football. Sad day for Coach Ed. 
uh, Ogeron, but that's the name of the game. It's the business. Um, it's a tough, tough gig, but he, but you're paying seventeen million dollars to leave. Moving on to the last part of the the podcast because I told you it's a big show. I don't want to. When it's just me, we try not to go on here for very long. Lane Kiffin, uh, head coach at Old Miss, they travel to face the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, Old Miss escapes with a win, thirty-one to twenty-six. Both have up-tempo offenses, but uh, this is the first time Lane Kiffin has returned to the Tennessee Volunteers as a head coach. He was the head coach of Tennessee for one year and then left to USC, I believe, and did not sit well with fans. Um, he has been back there a couple times. He was an assistant in Alabama for a while. So he's been back there, I think, once or twice. So he's been there, but he's not been back as a head coach. It was an electric environment. I was not there, but on TV, it's an electric environment. It was a tough fought game on both sides. Uh, both up-tempo offenses, both um, defenses. This defenses this game came and really tackled. Heisman can, I believe, Corral, he had a big game for 231 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Hooker, the quarterback for Tennessee, also had a big game, 233 yards and one touchdown. But Corral also led the rushing attempt for Old Miss. He had 195 yards rushing, so he just had a monstrous game. But on the other side, Hooker also 108 yards rushing, so it was just a battle of the quarterbacks going back and forth. Battling of these offensive minds going back and forth. Um, Old Miss comes away with the win. They are now 5-1, and 2-1 overall in the SEC. But uh, one of the things that, re- that this is what kind of got overshadowed, and I want to discuss it. It's a great game, hard-fought game by both sides. So these kids, these athletes that are 18 to 21, 22 years old, they both, both teams, both coaching staffs left it out all on the field. This is what college football is supposed to look like. You battle till the end. Two things overshadow this game that looks that to that's what I want to remember that game by was two hard fought teams. Got these the kids, let's be honest, fighting and battling, but it gets overshadowed by a couple things, which is sad. The first one where it gets overshadowed is there's this uh fake injury thing going around. So I'm gonna explain the the events that happened, then we're gonna talk about each one. First, uh, like, a player for Old Miss goes down holding his ankle. Looks like Achilles. Trainers come out. Now, when this happened, Old Miss was coming down the field. They're up-tempo offense. People thought it was a fake injury because defenses had learned years and years ago, and it's been happening. If a player falls down, trainers have to come out. Player comes off for the play. It slows down the tempo. It gives their defensive coordinators time to regroup. Slows down the momentum of the offense. It's up-tempo. All that stuff. So people have defensive coordinators have learned if the other players do that or head coaches. And it's unfortunate, but this happened. Now the Tennessee players were booing camera shows. They got the guys flipping them off. They're yelling. They're doing this. They're doing that. And so I just that and it erupted was not good. And then Tennessee was marching down the field. It was fourth and very long. Tennessee needed the first down to keep their hope alive to win. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I believe they were about a yard short. They played a pass. They made a couple moves. They were about a yard short. It was a non-reviewable play, I believe. They didn't review it. Tennessee gets the ball, or Old Miss gets the ball back with 54 seconds left, runs the clock out, wins the game. When this happens, fans are booing. They're doing this. Well, then they start throwing things onto the field. They start throwing things at Lane Kiffin. They start throwing things at the Old Miss players. 
there was a video. Lane Kiffin got hit by a golf ball. He was showing the golf ball. You saw mustard being thrown onto the field. There was water bottles. There was this. There was that. Throwing them at Old Miss players and throwing them at Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin's walking off the field after the game. Someone throws a water bottle at him. He Odell, Beck- Odell Beckham's it, grabs it, brings it in. Man, Lane Kiffin's got some hands. You think he could probably still play? I think he could still play. That'd be cool to see him go against Nick Saban. And that was talked about, but those two things kind of overshadowed this tough game. Yeah, you feel bad. You feel for the Tennessee players at the end of that, but they were both hard-fought games. Both sides fought as hard as they could. Coaching staffs coached as hard as they could, and this is what happens. And this is what people are going to remember. I'm trying to remember the hard-fought game, but this is what they're going to remember. So one of the things is, let's talk about fans throwing things. Fans throwing things should never happen. I have been to football games. Not once has it crossed my mind to be like, I'm going to throw this water bottle at the coach down there. I'm going to take a golf ball that I have for some reason and throw it at the head coach or the players. I'm going to take my popcorn. I'm going to grab a mustard container and throw it. Like, not once has that ever happened. So here is the thing, fans. I've seen fans let loose, have a few too many. But you got to realize what's happening. Number one, those are kids still. I mean, adults, but they're they're young adults. When you do that, you make your team look bad. You embarrass those kids. You embarrass the fan base. And then you're actually hurting your team. You realize there was probably recruits there for Tennessee watching the game, right? Well, they're going to see those fans. Now, at the beginning, they probably loved it. Like, this place is packed, pretty much sold out. It's electric. They got fireworks. They got this. It's a great place. Cool. But then you see the fans doing that. And if you're a recruit, you might be like, these guys are crazy. What happens if we lose? Are they going to throw it at us now? So you're hurting your team in recruiting because you guys realize recruits come to the games to watch. They you invite, they're allowed to invite players to watch games during certain parts of the season. That hurts. And it might hurt the school. <clears throat> what if a younger brother or sister goes with their family there? Because they're alumni and they see people acting like this and they go, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. Now, maybe this is me overthinking, but you have to think about that type of stuff. So fans out there throwing stuff should never happen. Now, I know it's hard for police to be like, oh my God, there's 50 to 100, maybe a couple hundred people throwing things. We can't kick them all out. So I understand that now the police officer can go, like all this stuff. So fans, you need to really think about what you're doing. So with it, and doing that overshadows the great game that was had, even though your team didn't win, but great game by all. And then the fake injury thing. Be the last part of the podcast. The fake injury thing's been happening for a while. Now what the NFL does is within two minutes and someone gets hurt, the team has to take a timeout. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If it happens on offense, they got to take a 10 second, or they take, or if it's on defense, they got to take a timeout and all that stuff. We're not going to get too deep. But what happens in college, and we've seen it, we, it's here. Okay. 
we have seen on film where players are standing there perfectly fine. They get some type of signal or somebody says something and they just, they're standing there for literally the other team's getting the play in and like 20 seconds later, the player drops and fakes an injury. So this has happened. So it's hard for fans to know if they're really hurt. You would like to believe, we don't want anybody to be hurt, but you would like to believe that if a player goes down in college, they're playing in college, they're tough kids. They're tough. They can handle things. You would like to think that, yeah, maybe they're hurt. They're not faking it. But it happens. So it's hard for fans to be like, well, that guy's faking it. But what if he was really hurt? You know, now, now sometimes you could tell when they're really hurt. Then there's times you can't, and they're actually hurt. But as fans, they're like, oh, man, I can't tell if he's actually hurt. It's hard for us to tell. So as fans, once again, just don't boo them just in case they are really hurt. That's the first thing. Don't do that. Then you don't need to be flipping people off and saying, boo, doing this. And I think it was all because it was Lane Kiffin. Like, Lane Kiffin's telling him to do this, blah, 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 blah. Just don't say anything. Just don't do anything. There's no Again, you're hurting recruits. You're hurting the recruiting for the school, for the sports. You're ruining the game day experience. Now, the NCAA does need to fix this fake injury thing. We need to come up with a system where... Okay, if this kid goes down, he doesn't play the rest of the series. Not just a play or two. The rest of the series, he cannot come in. Now they're just going to pick a random guy to maybe get hurt. Then maybe they need to adopt something in the NFL too. So maybe if it's within two minutes, um, I think if it's within two minutes and a guy goes down, you have to take a timeout or you take like a 15-yard penalty. You can't make it a five-yarder because they're just going to do that. They're just going to do that to let the time run out. So I think if you're on defense, you fake an injury, quote-unquote, or somebody goes down under two minutes or under three minutes, whatever it is, they have to take a timeout. So you lose your timeout. Gives the other team a chance to really regroup. Or you take a 15-yard penalty. Which sucks. It really sucks that it has to come down to that. But what if because what if a kid actually does get hurt and you don't have any timeouts? You got to take a 15-yard penalty and it moves that team into field goal range and they kick the field goal to win. But this kid really got hurt. God forbid he tore his ACL. God forbid he did this. God forbid he did that. It does suck. But again, these are the type of things. Somebody ruined it for the rest of us. They made it festivist for the rest of us. So when this happens, you've got to come up with these rules. So I think the NCAA's got to figure out this fake injury thing. It's not going to stop it during the game up until the two-minute mark, but I think you can implement where if a kid goes down and they can't come in the rest of the series. And then when it's under two minutes, you've got to take a timeout and you can't make it a five-yard penalty. That's too easy. I think you got to make it a 15-yard penalty. And then I, I know... Maybe you can make it to where it's an unsportsmanlike conduct but what the kid is actually hurt. So I don't know if you go that far, but I think you can make it a 15-yard penalty to make a coach really think about, do I really want them to get 15 yards? Um, or you make them take a timeout. I believe on offense, if a guy gets hurt and you don't have timeouts, you take a 10-second runoff and they lose. So maybe that's what kind of happens because you've got to flip-flop it. So maybe offense, you have to take a timeout when someone goes down. Or you could do that. 10 second runoff or maybe say okay it's a 15 yard penalty now you're scoot back something to where it's even even the playing field I think the NCAA has to implement something like that to stop these fake injuries but Tennessee fans you had a great game great turnout your team is playing well better than all of us thought 
especially with everything going on there. You're playing way better than I thought. Playing way better than I thought you would. But for me, talking about it right now takes away from me like really talking about the game. So the whole game is getting overshadowed by the choices of those fans that we don't need. Okay, enjoy the game. Don't be doing that stuff. It hurts everything. It hurts everybody. The recruits and all that. Don't do it. NCAA. Free advice. Change the rules so this fake injury thing can stop. So the fans aren't attacking the players. Coaches aren't saying anything doing this. you got to do that. All right, guys. That wraps up this episode of the Coach Steve Show podcast. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. Please like and subscribe on the YouTube channel. Follow the podcast on the audio version wherever you listen to your podcasts. Go check out the weekly episodes. Go check out all the affiliates in the description below. Uh, we got some big shows coming this week. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. This has been another episode of the Coach Steve Show podcast. $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors.